Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. Monday, November 22nd. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. So when you hear the date, November 22nd, what comes to mind? Well, for those of you that have been around for a while or, or studied history in Dallas and uh, JFK was shot in Dallas on this notable day, 1963. And so uh, not one of the better moments for Texas, but it's also one of those dates that stand out. We all remember where we were at. Jack and Alice, do you guys remember when you were at, when you got the news that JFK was shot? Yeah, I actually I, do think I was in third grade. Uh, so. <laughs> I was sixth grade, I think. Yeah, Alice, you do? Okay, so we're all giving away our ages. I was three. No, you were I don't three. remember. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> well, it was a notable day, but another tragedy took place over the weekend, folks. Our hearts go out to those in Wisconsin uh, for the just, just unimaginable. Someone driving through a crowd, running over older people, grandmas, babies. I mean, just hearing some of the statistics on that. So our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to those uh, so deeply impacted in Wisconsin. So much going on in the world, and it's just rips your heart out when you hear these kind of stories. But we've got a heartwarming story this day on uh, November 22nd here in in Austin, Texas, with the Look at a Lendy podcast. We've got Dale Larson and Dale Larson Jr. So we got Jr. and the third joining us in the Hot Topic segment. They both co-founded and partnering in and in investors in Modex, one of our sponsors. I'm really excited about it because we're talking about data accessibility and how it is, how is it enhancing recruiting and the industry transparency, especially as we look into 2022. So looking forward to having them on the podcast. A uh, lot of great information we were sharing with them. I just love these two because it's a father and son team, and I love these kind of stories. Father-son team stories really touch uh, my heart family, especially as we get close to the holidays. So it's timely that we're going to have them on. It's going to be a great interview in the Hot Topic segment. I want to say we're thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on industrysyndicate.com. Also, a sponsor, uh, shout out to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Grateful to have their sponsorship, as well as Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Great solution in these days. Check out the podcast we did with Karen Jenkins talking about UX user experience, and CX, what the importance of that is. Check that out in October uh, 4th. We did that interview, and uh, a lot more coming out about that. That's getting downloaded a lot, so kind of call your attention to that podcast because others are listening to it and going, what does the number one fintech company in the world think about UX and CX, customer experience, user experience? And so you'll definitely want to plug into that. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are um, – Co-ops that help you and get up close and personal and get you get to know other lenders or vendors in the space. Um, we're part of both of these organizations. Really pleased to be affiliated with them, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Incelerate helps lenders grow close or closely uh, uh, to their consumers that they engage with. And so they do a great job of engaging borrowers in a more effective way developing prospects and into customers and also engaging previous customers. Also Ken Perry and the group at knowledge group do a great job of what they're doing at helping you with learn and train your people. Check out knowledgegroup.com. That's C O O P.com. Also mobility MMI, as well as Modex. We've got Modex on here today, but mobility, I think the two fit nicely together. They both are complement to each other, both help you in the recruiting. And so we're going to be talking with Dale, Dale and Dale of Modex today, but we just really pleased with that. We have both of them as sponsors. Also snap docs, check out Vishal Rana's uh, podcast from September 13th. 
newest sponsor, Success Kit, the most effective way to reach your audience is through your own, is not necessarily through your own words, but through that of the others. There's an old proverb that says, let another man's mouth praise you, not that of your own. It's a principle that I operate on. Find people to talk about you and what you've done for them. You can have a much more effective way. We're using Success Kit both in the podcast as well as in our consulting business. They're doing an amazing job of collecting written and video testimonies from our customers and having them tell our stories. Most powerful thing, check out successkit.io. You'll learn more about it. We're going to be talking a lot more about it in the months ahead. Also, Lenders Toolkit. We always call them LTK, but they're known in the industry for being really innovative. Uh, Very excited about having them as our newest sponsor. Check out all the sponsors on our sponsorship page. Looking forward to telling you more about both of our new sponsors. And we have two more coming on here after the shortly one may be on before the end of the year others are coming on right at the at the beginning of the new year so a special thank you goes out to rob les alice alan matt and jack my co-host on this podcast and we appreciate you being here let's get over to rob van Rapphorst with the nba mortgage minute and uh what rob's got for us rob <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Well, the big news last week was that FHA sent its annual report to Congress. And as expected, FHA is doing really well. The capital ratio for its mutual mortgage insurance fund was just over 8%. This is a 14-year high. Now, much of this success can be attributed to the recovery of the reverse mortgage program. But despite the good news, FHA is not planning to cut insurance premiums, at least not at this time. Instead, they are waiting to see what happens with the delinquencies in the FHA portfolio, and borrowers who are in forbearance. MBA was quick to release a statement saying that the strength of the FHA MMI fund is a welcome development and that it shows the strong financial stewardship of the fund by HUD and other stakeholders, including lenders. But MBA also pointed out that HUD should examine reducing FHA premiums, especially because premiums have been at their current levels for nearly seven years. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, good job. That uh, I mean, even though that fund is uh, flush of cash right now, flush. I mean, we don't know where this thing's going yet. So, I mean, I'm. I think it's important that we try to get these premiums down, make the programs as affordable as possible. So, um, I love. I really defer to the MBA. They got their good finger on the pulse of what's going on. And you know what? You can do, folks. Sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app. You can do this on any of your smartphones. You can have your voice heard in DC. So you think, well. Voice world I have. You cannot imagine the importance of what when we're doing supporting Bill Kelmer and the team there at the NBA and Bob Brooks with what they're trying to do and, and, and communicating our interests on the Hill. We're a little outgunned right now by the uh, NRA, National Association of Realtors, and the Home Builders. Even uh, we need to have our voices heard. And so when we combine and do this through this Mortgage Action Alliance lap app, you get your voice heard on the Hill. And it does make a difference. So be sure to get signed up for that uh, as well. So let's get over to Les Parker. We're with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les, what you got for us? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Are bulls brains mean again? Markets know it's hard to pretend. Are the bulls on the verge of raining again? From mid-July to late October, bears anticipated normal functioning markets. They saw the Fed coordinating with the other central banks like the days before COVID. But the bulls saw a bridge too far. The data show slowing growth. With no more pretending and Friday's close in the 10-year yield below 155, our 138 target looks like it arrives by Christmas. So bulls have heart again. How bulls get back up again at TMSpotlight.com. Yeah. Good job, Les Parker. TB up with Gary Kentrabone, and they, they do a good job each and every week. So, Alice, we were talking just before the podcast, and you are famous for writing down what is predicted. Share your thoughts. Share with our audience what you uh, wrote down at the beginning of the year and what's come to pass. Yeah, hi, everyone. So I wrote down back on January 18th at the beginning of this year, I I bounced forward to my calendar 
uh, this week and wrote a note that said Les Parker predicted interest rates would be over 3% by this time, by the beginning of December. And uh, here we are. So we were been watching rates and, and back then in January, it was really unpredictable. You have to remember the environment we were in was still very uncertain. We didn't have a vaccine yet. There were so many uncertainties at that point to understand where we might be. So uh, there you go. That's uh, prediction was correct. Les Parker coming through again. Good job, Les Parker. Where you got, you got fans. And I love the fact that Alice, writes these things down and keeps you accountable. So shout out to uh, Les and that. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate you sharing that. Alice. Although we got to get over to Matt Graham first. Matt Graham is here with us on a recorded message. He's the founder and CEO of mbslive.net with his market update. So Matt, thanks for being here. What you got for us today? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live market update. Last week was a mix of good and bad for the bond market with things starting off in relatively negative fashion. Yields were moving higher as a part of a corrective move that began in the previous week. The first day of trading, Monday, November 15th, was uh, sharply higher with yields getting all the way up to 1.63 in terms of 10-year yields. Part of the concern or part of the motivation for that was the ramp up in corporate bond issuance something that is always sort of a behind-the-scenes market mover for the broader bond market. Uh, Corporate bonds necessitate some hedging with treasuries that can involve treasury sales at the beginning of the process, but we will talk more about what happens at the end of the process in a moment. Uh, The middle of the week saw the corporate pipeline clear and decreased pressure from the supply side of the equation and also saw some banks buying back their hedges So when those corporate bonds are hedged with treasury sales, those hedges can be bought back in certain situations. Last week was one of them. And the yields came down starting on Wednesday, pretty nice rally on Wednesday. And that accelerated into the end of the week with Friday being the sharpest rally. And that was actually driven by European COVID concerns, for lack of a more interesting way to put it. But uh, the most interesting development as a part of that broader European concern was Austria's announcement of fresh lockdown measures as well as a vaccine mandate. And there was a very clear reaction between uh, stocks, bonds, and volume right when that Austria news came out. In addition to Austria, several other European countries are parabolic in terms of their COVID case counts. And while we can only speculate as to what that will do to the economy, In general, the market is still trading COVID as more of it is better for bonds, worse for stocks. Um, The counterpoint to that and something that we've been discussing on MBS Live a bit in the past few weeks is the extent to which uh, COVID-inspired economic weakness has sort of a a dual implication for inflation because the more COVID locks down the economy, the more it can create supply-side constraints. And inflation, of course, is bad for bonds, so it's a little bit of an offsetting factor, or at the very least, it could serve to limit the improvement in the bond market that can be driven by COVID. Uh, The other consideration, maybe a little closer to home, remains to be seen, of course, is the connection between ambient temps, yes, we're talking about weather, and COVID case counts. There's a strong correlation there, and it is starting to get colder in the U.S., so there perhaps is some hesitation to run up rates too quickly on the part of U.S. traders for that reason. Uh, Fed chair Powell will remain Fed chair. That is the big news at the start of the current week. There was a lot of speculation as to how that would go down. Um, He was the odds-on favorite, although there was some possibility that Brainerd would get the nod. And she is the more dovish of the two candidates. And uh, when Powell was announced this morning, bonds weakened a little bit. It wasn't dramatic. It was, you know, token weakening uh, for the less dovish of the two candidates being selected. It's not the sort of thing that's going to have a lasting impact on the bond market. And if anything, this morning's weakness is being driven by supply concern with uh, the week's treasury cycle being condensed into the first two days of the week. That has to do with the Thanksgiving holiday. So we'll have uh, two-year 
notes and five-year notes today, seven-year notes tomorrow, as well as two-year floating rate notes. And uh, all of the week's economic data will be in by Wednesday with core PCE inflation being the headliner, arguably, on Wednesday at 10 a.m. After that, activity will die down rapidly. Friday will be essentially a closed day of trading, even though it's only an early close officially. And we will be waiting until the following week to assess the market's stance as far as bonds are concerned. Uh, because this week is sort of a throwaway week. When you look at historical examples, sometimes we get big moves in one direction or another direction, and they can be completely erased, or things can accelerate in the following week. So it's a little bit of a wild card, and we want to be careful about reading too much into anything that happens this week, unless it is happening due to a very clear catalyst with a very clear message. That'll do it for this week. But as always, remember that Lickin' on Lending listeners get double the free time on their MBS Live trials with no credit card requirement and a streamlined sign-up process by using the code LOL in the sign-up screen on mbslive.net. Back to you, Dave. Thank you very much. Good job. Appreciate that. Be sure to sign up for this service. I've got it on behind me all the time. It's watching what's going on in the markets. Uh, and I leave my office. I pick it up right on my cell phone, my iPad. It's always with me. Great tool, very effective. Love this service. Thank you, Matt Graham. Good to have you here, friend. Appreciate you. Uh, sign up using LOL, and you get the extended time. He already covered it. So let's move on to Alice Alvey. Alice, good to have you here. Alice is CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home. And she's got a legislative update. Also, I'm just interested in some of the things she's focusing on lately, especially get into the end of the year. So, Alice, what you got? Hi, Dave. Well, as you heard from, uh, Matt, uh, I'm sorry, uh, from the MBA, from Rob Van Rapport, that HUD issued their actuarial report or their annual report. And I love going through this to see what the trends are in the industry. Uh, you learn a lot as a lender, so I recommend uh, everybody take a look at it. What's really interesting to me is a few points about the way the FHA portfolio looks today. And as you heard Rob mentioned, you know, the portfolio, FHA's cash looks very healthy. They, the fund is sitting at over 8%, which is very high, a big cushion over where it's, supposed, where its minimum mandate has been. But you have to remember, this group saw some real tough times uh, during the uh, more challenging economies over the last several years and, you know, became concerned about whether or not they, there was actually going to have taxpayers for the first time have to supplement the fund and so they still remember all of that <laughs> and it's not going to be yeah. anything quick that from our vantage point anyway as a lender for uh, the fund to for FHA to take any action on dropping the premiums you know they'll have to see that things as borrowers come out of forbearance so when you read the report they're sitting at just under 400,000 uh, borrowers uh, that are sitting in forbearance They've got around 300,000 who are uh, in serious delinquents and forbearance. And so it's really just trying to see how that is going to all play out um, in the coming uh, winter months. So we'll definitely need a good six months and into next year to see what happens. So lots of factors playing into it. But as far as, you know, what's safe to originate, that's the other thing I look at. How low are the scores that they're seeing? And this continues to drop when you look at the graphs that the average credit score with FHA, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase, the, the number of loans that are below a 619 credit score continue to drop. So as lenders want to be in that space of manual underwriting, it's just be aware and watch that you are in a very thin space that FHA is watching very, very closely. So if you like being on the radar, you know, FHA loans with scores below 619 is, you know, is an inter interesting place to be. We're seeing DTIs also level off where there was a long trend for DTIs to keep reaching above uh, into the average DTI to hit that 44 range. And in uh, 2021, uh, the number of FHA DTIs around 50% was only 23% of the loans. So lots of loans to increase that are relying on a gift. So uh, close to 40% of loans yeah. are FHA's loans are relying on some form of down payment assistance, whether from, you know, like your state um, HFA bond programs or from a family member. 
So real interesting data to understand the product. And probably the best one that mortgage lenders love is that they are over 91% of the market. Depositories wow. are 9%, less than about 9% of the market now. And that's just dropped dramatically since 2010. So, you know, lots of good data in there to understand your FHA borrowers and the best place to be in the market. Um, so that's what I wanted to share with everyone today, Dave. And uh, I think next week I'll save my leadership discussion since I've, uh, there was so much to unpack here with the uh, the fund and the data that's in there. But okay. I'd love to share with our listeners how we're managing through the growth uh, that Union Home is going through uh, and yeah, development of leadership. Yeah, so we'll, yep, we'll share yep, some I, more of that in the future shows. Yep, yep. I got to get you on the looking on leadership podcast, get an interview of you there, uh, because I love the leadership you bring to the industry and, and to Union Home. But we've got Les Parker who dialed in, and he is kind of, he, his ears were burning. So uh, he <laughs> texted me, and he going, okay, do you want me to talk about rates? Of course. <laughs> Les Parker, good to have you here, Fred. <laughs> well, that's awfully sweet of uh, Alice to uh, – to share like that and mark down the calendar, we did. We are currently above three, and uh, we were headed that direction. Um, so I thought I might um, give you a kind of a sneak preview of what we're looking at for next year. Oh yeah! Since you guys kind of were bringing up that topic, um, yeah. I put it in my newsletter today, and I do appreciate those signing up. We do have a ways for people to get the full version free if they put in power into the, uh, the, the when they yep. check out with the code. Yeah, so that's uh, great, and it's uh, it gives them a lot of information. They can cover it quickly, or they can dig in on different parts. But mm-hmm. next year is going to be the rest of this year, and next year is going to be wild. It's we're set up for some interesting times maybe that's just the easiest way to put it <laughs> and and so i was on an airplane flight recently and um i watched part of a Dis- new disney movie out called corella and mm-hmm. in there they they use 30 different songs throughout the movie and it made me think of kind of what i do with song parodies on the newsletter yeah yeah because they kind of have all of these action going on and they set it to different uh, different music from the 60s and 70s uh, that was all on the London music scene during that time for the movie. Um, and it, I was listening to it, so I thought Whisper Whisper was the first one that I did today. So if people want to kind of follow that, I'm going to try and use most of the songs, probably not all, but uh, over the next few weeks, um, you know, next 20 or so letters, I'll probably touch, use those songs. So be able to have a hint now, a clue into ways, because I know people try to solve the riddle every time. Yep. Um, so bad, or you might say good things ahead. I guess well, it depends on one's pr- perspective. Yeah, did you talk so, about craziness? Usually that's good for the bond market, driving rates lower. If it's ridiculous, scary, crazy, there's a flight to quality, which usually affects you know has a positive impact on interest rates are you telling us we're going to be back under three is that it is that what craziness brings i i do think there's a very good chance for that so uh i kind of let it one those things alice should write down should alice write that down (laughs) or is that did you hedge in that statement well, sounded like a hedge to me, Jack. Oh, I've, always, I've always hedged. You can't be a secondary marketing guy and not always hedge. I'm, all, I'm always hedging. Um, it, listen, it is, it is uh, interest rates. The one thing I am confident of for the next six months, certainly uh, even out to the end of next year, um, is volatility will be higher. So hmm. we are not going to see calm times. So we did, if you cut out that large piece for a couple months there before the Fed came in and aggressively intervened in uh, March and April of last year, we've had actually, we went right back to calmness. Yeah. Uh, And before that, we had calmness because we have the the central bank so aggressively in the marketplace. They Mm -hmm. are intervening. And that intervention, the main, forget the direction of rates. What it really does is it puts a wet blanket on everything, so everything gets muted. Um, So 
they're lifting the wet bank blanket. Mm. So with that change, right, as you start having less, uh, they're still buying bonds, they're still buying mortgages, but they're buying fewer of them. And that's setting up for some significant changes. I And also, technically, there's some things. It would be interesting if Matt Graham is on the line right now. Um, I know he likes uh, technicals. But if you listen to the whispers, so this week's going to be quiet, more than likely. But if you listen to the whispers, that is, if you look at the charts, if you kind of look at the way rates are kind of trading right now, we're setting up for a major conflict between the bulls and the bears within the next few months. And we are going to break significantly one way or the other. Um, I, I, I am looking for the – I think we have a very good chance of seeing the 10-year above 210. Wow. Currently it's at one, 150 or so. And uh, when, what is it right now? I should just pull it up here. I don't have Matt Graham's. I have Thompson Reuters icon. So we're sitting at 161 right now. Yep, 161.3. Um, yep. So we have a good we have a good chance of being at 210, but we also have a very good chance to break down to below one in the 10 year. Wow. So yep. Did, and I do think that, you I, I don't both know when, that? but that's those are the two things. We are going to see both those. We're going to see both those within eight eight months. Uh, huh. So uh, just hold on to hold on to your uh, seat because uh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a wild ride. That you describes. Know, yeah, go this Jack. Is, oh. um, you know, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you kind of boxing, you know, in what the future you know may look like. Is is the the key driver to the volatility in your mind uh, the the tapering uh, by the central bank? Or, or the tapering by the Fed? Yes, absolutely. Uh, intervention by major government or, or central banks. So you can have significant fiscal stimulus or, or, or even uh, contraction of, of spending. Uh, if you have major changes in tax policy, major changes in spending policy, or you have major changes in uh, central bank policies, those are things that will either increase or decrease volatility. And right now we are getting with central banks, the, the major central bank, and quite frankly, many of the next year central banks to the G10, um, is we are seeing them all moving towards less accommodation. So the answer is yes, Jack. I do see increased volatility because the markets are going to be less constrained. They're not going to have major yeah. powers coming in and trying to trying to push things one way or the other. There you go, but, Alan. You know, go ahead. Oh, excuse go me. Ahead, Jack. Yeah, finish up. As I think about, you know, the bond market, um, you know, I guess you know, I kind of draw a big question mark and say we really don't know uh, what the true market looks like because of all the intervention by the Fed and central banks. And now, as we begin to peel off that intervention, you know, in in layers, right? You know, we're going to get, you know, some insight in, in, into what the real market is. Absolutely, I that is, you know, we all we talk about transparency in markets, and the greater transparency you have, the greater, um, uh, truer values you will see in the marketplace, whether it's in stocks or in bonds, whether it's in fixed incomes or it's in equities. Uh, so ab- absolutely, and right now the mark the these central banks are moving towards the economies functioning more with with less intervention. They're they're never completely gone, <laughs> but with less right. intervention, and with less intervention, the marketplace has to kind of figure out what value is, not what other forces think value should be, and that's going to create. Uh, an increase in volatility. Interesting, interesting. We could make a whole yep. podcast out of that. So, Les, we got to have you come back on talk about yep. this. Very uh, good. I just, very, that's very good. where we're headed. 
we're okay. going higher or we're going lower or we're going to do both. Actually, I'll <laughs> say we're going to do both over the next eight, eight months, and it will be so a fun ride. So, so that, that, he, all he's stuck above. with the – yeah, He's ahead, stuck Alex. with the Doug Duncan philosophy. If you're going to give a rate, don't give a time. If you're going to give yeah. a date, don't give a rate, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, just, had, I just had dinner dinner with him just a few weeks ago during the convention. So, yes, he, he does say that one a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, it's always great one. to talk with you guys. And, Jack, right. great to have you uh, on the broadcast. You really bring uh, some wisdom to the broadcast that – it, it is comparable to Alice's, so yeah. I'll leave it at that. And so we'll, Alan, we'll let Dave just keep moving the ball. So have a good one, Dave. <laughs> so, Alan, he left you and I out. I don't know what that means for you and I, but we got Alan Pollock here for the tech update. Al, Alan I know. fantastic. He didn't say anything. That's the only reason why I didn't say it. <laughs> so, well, thank you, Alan. Oh, I was looking yeah. for a segue. Well, yes, then, because Alan, Alan's actually within a blockchain, so he's constrained. He really can't do anything oh, until it's his no. time. You right, press the right. button. Then you get, then you get it. So, I'll leave oh, you guys alone. Good, good, good job, Mr. Good. I'm glad you joined in, friend. Yeah, talking about wet blankets. I watched the Tennessee Titans game play the Houston's, Houston uh, uh, Texans, and uh, I tell you, talk about wet blanket. That got pouring down rain there. Anyway, Alan, good to have you here. Appreciate you being joining us, man. It is great to be here. I'm going to keep my segment super short today because um, it's always good to hear the experts talk about expert and fun stuff. Um, just a couple quick announcements, David. Some really interesting things going on right now. Yep. I don't know if everybody saw the news, but Encino and Simple Nexus. Now, we heard of yep. Simple Nexus. Obviously, we know who they are, but because uh, they acquired uh, LVAware just a few weeks back, well, mm-hmm. Encino just acquired Simple Nexus. And um, if you don't know who Encino is, they're an end-to-end leader in cloud banking. Uh, they're really a, a company that's providing full transformation end-to-end for banking, everything from in-branch to online and cloud banking, account opening, uh, you name it. And uh, for those of you, um, you know um, Simple Nexus, get this, $1.2 billion. And um, that's a huge amount of money and huge amount of valuation, but uh, congratulations to them. I can tell you from when I was in online banking that Encino was an amazing company with a lot of technology. And I've been saying for the longest time, um, folks like Blend and others, you know, there's an untapped market. It's about 12,000 or maybe now it's about 10,000 financial institutions out there. Blend recently made an announcement that they were going in that direction. Um, yep. Actually, when, when Ellie Mae sold, I said that they're going to go down that path. Well, here you go. I mean, Encino just took the bull by the horn. Um, this makes perfect sense for them. Um, so congratulations to everyone on that side of it. And if you are an online bank or you, a bank but you want to become online, or you're a technology company that wants to become a bank, go check out Encino. Tons of integrations, tons of great stuff. That's an unsolicited advertisement for them, but I've known their technology <laughs> for some time, and they've got some great stuff. So just talking about financing, David, I'm sure we'll hear a couple more deals come out before the end of the year, especially with, when no one really knowing what's going to happen with taxes next year. But, you know, uh, we do have uh, Maxwell. They just took, I remember we talked about that, $52.5 million in financing. Um, by the way, Roostify, well, before I even get to Roostify, Flowify sold to Porch, which is a real tech company, real estate technology for $90 million. And then we also have this week Roostify, just on the, the conversation of point-of-sale platforms. Uh, Roostify and Lender Price now have a new integration, getting um, you know pricing eligibility and all those fun things to the front side of the transaction there. Um, talk about something really cool I saw online, David, just shifting a little bit here. Um, you've heard of Forbes magazine, I'm sure. Uh, well, they have an awesome article called Tech is Humanizing Mortgage, and it's exactly what the industry needs. Go check it out. I'm not going to give you any pieces from it. Maybe we'll save it for a different day, but I'll read it again. It's from Forbes, and it's called Tech is Humanizing Mortgage, and it's exactly what the industry needs. It's a really cool article. Go read that. The next item we have is DoorVest. So DoorVest is a technology company. Um, they're going to be buying or they've acquired um, – a Series A, $14 million. Get this, David. They're a San Francisco company. Did we lose, Alan? Oh, looks like I had a little blip there. 
Yeah, yeah, you had a bl- I was going to say, who let the dogs out? I thought one of these dogs <laughs> I was they trying to look for that music song. How can I bring that up? Who let the dogs out? Burp. Hear them yapping in the background. <laughs> Your dog. Yeah, so get this. Dorvest. Uh, they just yeah, did 14, point, uh, 14 million. They're brand new. They're from their garage. Okay. What? Now they have a team of over 30 spread around. They're from San Francisco, so, you know, where a lot of tech companies or fintech companies are born. They've grown 14 times in the last six months, and they've partnered with hundreds of customers. So here's the reason why I mentioned them today, not because they got $14 million in cash, right? You think about what everyone's getting right. nowadays. It doesn't seem like a lot of money. This is what I like the best. They're a technology platform that provides access to real estate. Customers sign up online. They specify the type of home that they're looking for, and they place an initial deposit, and then DoorVest handles the rest, the finding and acquiring the home, renovating, placing tenants, managing the property, and then the customer purchases the home from DoorVest, becomes a new owner, and starts collecting monthly rental checks, all managed with technology. And it's a great story. If you want to read a good FinTech story about how somebody who wasn't in mortgage but couldn't find a home and needed a technology solution created this company, and again, out of their garage, which we don't think that happens that often these days, right? Go check out DoorVest. Very, very cool. David, I'm going to leave the rest of the items off. I want to mention one thing that we'll get into next week, but that is um, there is an article in M Report. It references the Stratmore survey, and basically it talks about um, how better tech doesn't mean better profit, and we'll talk about that next week. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for being our listeners. We appreciate it, and looking forward to the hot topics. Yes, great way to uh, to end the the mortgage industry update with a thanksgiving uh thankful for our listeners that's a great job thanks everybody for being there alan alan is so thoughtful i, I mean i've been i mean one time if you ever see me set up at one of these conferences it's stress city and alan was trying to be so helpful one time and he was there unwrapping course i didn't know that he worked in the tv studio or in a radio studio or wherever i was but he he had so much experience and he was willing to help and i was so stressed out at the time it was really appreciated this is a guy i find people like alan who love to give and that just, that's why I got him on the podcast. He's giving out great information. Alan, I really appreciate you, but I am going to have to record the song, Who Let the Dogs Out? Because your pups do interrupt. I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, David. Appreciate you as well. I love you, buddy. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks all of our listeners. As Alan said, we appreciate you being here for all of the podcasts. Again, for those of you who are listening on a downloaded basis, you're going to want to move right on to the next podcast because we're going to go into the Hot Topics segment now. And those of you who are listening live, you get to just stay right here and go right on in to the Hot Topics segment. Appreciate it. Folks, it's time for the Hot Topics segment of the Licking on Lending podcast. It's November 22nd, and we're excited to have joining us Dale Larson Jr. and Dale Larson III. So Jr. is the older one. Dale Dale Jr. and I are pretty close to the same age. They live up in the Seattle area. I love father-son teams. I love these two and how they work together so effectively in bringing in a really important solution to the industry called Modex. And we're going to be talking today uh, and discussing about data accessibility, how it is enhancing recruiting and industry transparency. I'm really interested in the interested on the industry transparency part, especially as we move into 2020. So, Dale and Dale, good to have you here. Appreciate you. Oops, I forgot. <laughs> what help of a turn on your microphone? Sorry about that. that. Was my bad. Anyway, good to have you guys here. How are you? Great, great to be here, David. It's fun to fun to join the show. I've actually, I'll tell you, I've been. This is Dale Jr. I've been. Yeah. Uh, I've been taking notes from all your other guests, and uh, uh, Dale Third looked at me like that. Pay attention; it's about our turn. But I've got a whole page of notes from all your other your other um, guests. So thank you. That's good. That's good. Well, Dale Jr., Dad, it's so good to have you. So we call Dale the dad, dad and son Dale. Uh, so Dale, son Dale. Good to have you joining us as well. I love the fact that you two work together, and I want to share a little bit about your story. I love. Sure. Father son team. So tell our listeners a little bit of story. Now you shared a little bit of that on a previous podcast when you guys were on, but I want to just go back and circle back because it's it's really good and then kind of give an update how you guys have navigated some of the dynamics that can come with a family business. Talk about that briefly. 
Yeah, thank, David, thank you. Yeah, you know, you and I had a chance to talk here recently about this. It's, there's actually a – I'm going back even a little farther. Uh, there's, there, really, there's three Dales. There was Dale Sr., Dale Jr., and Dale Third, And, yep. and it was in 2012, shortly before my father passed away, he actually said, hey, Dale, you and that kid of yours should do something. And, and so, you know, it's interesting, David. This, this is really close to our heart. Uh, it, of course, Modix is a dynamic product. We have hundreds of clients. Uh, we've got, you know, growing. But uh, at the core of it, it's, it's really driven by this desire to, 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 to work together in a, in a family environment. And so, you know, I had, a, uh, I had a background of 25 years in the mortgage banking space, old school, um, you know, very much face-to-face, belly-to-belly, hand-to-hand, that, that, that kind of business model. And it was Dale 3, David, that said to me one day, um, hey, Dad, you know, has anybody really brought a deep level of transparency to what you do? I mean, everything from production to t- types of loans to offerings that companies might have. And, and it was, you know, it's kind of a moment, one of those uh, watershed moments where he looked at me and said, hey, you know, you, you could be out of business someday, Dad, if, if somebody were really to digitize everything you do. And, and well, I, I still, David, you know, you and I have talked about this as well. I, I still believe at the core of it, there's such a human factor yes, to the mortgage right. banking space. Um, we, we decided to focus not on the consumer side of the business, but really on the business-to-business um, um, gap. And, and that was essentially bringing clarity and transparency to data around um, uh, loan officers, around companies, and, and, and essentially building programs to help with that matchmaking. Um, and, you know, to this day, Dale and his team of developers and their, their market development team, uh, they've run way beyond me. Um, but it's still um, the core of it. It's, it's finding, finding good data and matching people up. So, yeah, it's a family business. It's, it's terribly exciting. And, then, and so, then, David, in terms of uh, a dynamics between me and my dad, and this is Dale 3. Yeah. People have not realized that by now. Um, you know, I, I'm CEO of this business. My dad is uh, 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 chairman of the board. And, you know, I run the business day-to-day, you know, in terms of product development, right. you know, clients, uh, all that. And then he, he's, a, he's an incredible-sounding board. And so when it comes to, to legal matters, to board matters, uh, you know, he's a great guide for me because he's been – hiring people for, for a long time for me to say, hey, hey, Dad, um, you know, what do you think about this characteristic in this salesperson? Or, uh, you know, when, you know hmm. things related to the board. So, yeah, we have, a, we have a very strong dynamic between the two of us. Fun. That's really – that's so good. I mean, that's, we're always looking for keys to the success. Yeah, someone was just jumping in there. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, David, it's, it's – uh, one of the things I so appreciate about you and your show – is, is how you personalize and, and are not afraid to talk about really just the human component. I mean, truly for us, I mean, Modix is a, is a dynamic company. There's, you know, lots of people now working for it. There are hundreds of clients. You know, the, the products that are being developed are really unique. What's, what's in the queue is very exciting. But at the core of it, David, I mean, I'll, I hope your listeners respond well to this. At the core of it, the idea that I get to collaborate with my son and, yes. and, and I, I, I get to spend time. I mean, I got, you and I joked about this. I turned 60 this last, last, uh, <laughs> last month. And I'm telling you, nothing oh, matters yeah. more than me, to me than these moments with my family and my kids. And I mean, again, Modex has got investors and venture capital looking at all these exciting things, but at the core of it, the fact that, you know, we, 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 we get to work together. I, I know that sounds sappy, but it really matters that's, to me. No, it, does, it really matters. It really does. I think that's so important. We could go a whole program into that because there's a lot of fathers, sons, quite frankly, do a lot better if they had their dads involved because there's some about the experience. And uh, but it, let's get into the one of the things that really caught my attention. We were talking last week in preparation for this. You talked about how data and recruiting can benefit the consumer. Talk about that. What is, how is this data and recruiting really benefiting? I see how it benefits. I see how Modex benefits the companies that uh, license your uh, data and your research and all the, all the information that's available. Get it for companies, but how is it benefiting consumers? 
Well, David, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're creating less friction in the industry by, by providing employers, loan officers that fit their, their company's culture and their company's operations better. Um, and then the other way around, for a loan officer, we're, we're helping fit them into companies that uh, are going to be closer aligned with them as people and how they run their business. And so since we're helping that and since we're creating less friction, uh, we're finding that consumers are having better experiences with loan officers. They are actually having faster clothes because uh, loan officers and operational staff are, are in a position where they're uh, – you know, less, I don't know, rough with each other. That's not exactly a great way to describe it. But, um, you know, when the company can hire loan officers and they they have a good retention of those loan officers, you have just a better structure and a better operation. Um, and so if you have, you know, if you're hiring loan officers using no data and you don't know uh, exactly what type of loan officer you're hiring um, and you're losing loan officers, you know, every one, you know, a couple times a year, um, I mean, that can impact operational staff, that can impact those clients, you know, they may not return to you or to that loan officer that you had or maybe lost. Um, and so by creating better loan officer employer fits, um, you know, we're actually making the process easier on the consumer and in some cases cheaper because there is such a heavy monetary burden to hire a loan officer and then potentially loan, use, uh, lose a loan officer. Um, yeah. We're trying to reduce that and then it tri- you know then it trickles down to the consumer. Yep, and I, I get that. David. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's right. it's just what we're we're you know, one of the things Modex does that's interesting. We measure we measure everything. We measure everything. We track everything. And one of the things we're we're building some models around is just to track the efficiency and and cost savings when mm-hmm. um, um, the there's a there's a better match from an employment standpoint and you know it's it's a, it's it, the, the cultural fits really matter the the uh, if, and and we're seeing that if you can lower the cost down of recruiting if you can lower the cost of a retention um, the reality that trickles down to the consumer yeah that's right. you know, measure twice cut once hiring that's such a good deal Alice exactly. over to you <laughs> Alice my dear friend uh, your thoughts questions. Yes. Well, I'm curious about the data that you're using. So beyond the units and the volume, um, you know, is there more with MLS, consumer, and other databases? Yes, there is. Yes. So we, you know, we aggregate data from uh, dozens of sources, private, uh, public, um, and then we also really focus on what we call derivative analytics internally here. Um, But, yeah, in terms of MLS data, yeah, you know, we, we work on looking at what is the relationship between loan officers and real estate agents. I mean, uh, some companies want to hire loan officers that have strong referral partnerships with, with real estate agents. Other companies, um, you know, want to hire loan officers that are more consumer direct based where, uh, you know, referral partnerships or real estate agent relationships aren't as important. Um, we also can then understand, you know, what types of properties are loan officers capable of financing? Um, beyond that, too, you know, it's also important to understand who are the consumers uh, behind these loan officers and these transactions. Um, and, and so, you know, we're using multiple data sets to not only understand, hey, let's look for loan officers in Seattle, Washington that did uh, $12 million in the last 12 months. We might also say, hey, let's look for loan officers that have an inclination for referral partnerships or um, have experience servicing certain communities in our, um, in our area. Yeah, you know, Alice, it's a great question. I, I also, Dale said we have dozens of sources. It's, you know, we, uh, we have some wonderful partnerships with uh, uh, industry leaders for accessing data and are, are grateful for the uh, mass amount of data available there. Um, you know, we're also able to aggregate large amounts of consumer data um, and uh, real estate data. And, uh, again, it's, it's in its early stages, but for Modex, the idea, I mean, we're working with, computational mathematicians to actually be uh, able to maybe predict or see patterns. Um, uh, the, the data is a little unnerving how much is out there, but, 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 but we find it fascinating when we start thinking about various products that would, would meet a need within the industry. Yeah, I, I, the, the amount of data sorting through it and doing it in a way, slicing and dicing, is probably where the real science or the, where the secret sauce is. Alan, let's get over to you talking about data accessibility uh, I know that's one of the things, and that one of your favorite words is transparency. Off to you, friend. Alan? Well, he's muted out. Did we lose him? Mm-hmm. Alan? 
Alan, Alan. Anyway, we're, I'll cover the question. Anyway, how is data accessibility enhancing recruiting industry transparency? I love the word transparency. Alan and I talk about it all the time. Talk about that, please. Well, I'm going to talk, you know, Dale 3 again here. I'm going to talk about something that we're very excited about. You know, traditionally, um, when people talk about these this sorts of data, they talk about it from the perspective of a recruiter looking at a loan officer, right? And so a recruiter says, hey, uh, you know, I'm looking for loan officers within a certain geography or, hey, I have a job application now and I've, you know, I now have a loan officer that I'm interested in talking to. I want to look at their production. And that's important. That continues to be important. And that's what we've generally served here at Modex. Now, what about if we flip it the other way around from a loan, office, loan officer's perspective? Um, you know, a loan officer is out there looking for jobs. Um, you know, they get offers from maybe three or four branches. Uh, and, but, you know, they maybe get similar offerings. They want to know more about that branch. You know, mm-hmm. what about if I could tell that loan officer now, this branch has hired or lost this many loan officers in the last quarter or year or last month? Uh, besides that, I could also say, hey, this one, you know, the average loan officer that gets hired by this branch within six months sees a 10% increase in their production for new hires. So we're not now just saying, hey, let's make the industry yeah. transparent for recruiters. Let's now make the industry transparent for loan officers. And again, we're trying to continue along the path of building, um, you know, excellent employer loan officer fit. And again, it's not a one-way street. It's not a, hey, the recruiter is excited about the loan officer. We want it to be the other way around too, where the loan officer says, hey, I'm excited about working for this company because of XYZ reason. And this XYZ reason is because of some of the data I found in Modex. Yeah, it's alignment. It's really an alignment issue mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's helping them connect I, I get that i like that uh jack over to you my friend okay uh you know first of all dale jr i'm i'm, I'm glad you were uh, uh taking notes earlier in uh the podcast uh i actually wrote down one thing uh dale and that is alice writes down a lot of things so you know i'll keep that future podcast but she holds you accountable too i love it <laughs> you know, really, guys, uh, you know, I went out to your website, took a look at it. Um, I, you know, one thing that really struck me as, as being extremely beneficial, and I'll, I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, I love to fish, and it's amazing how that four-pound fish can sometimes grow to six, seven, eight pounds by the end of the story, right? And, and you know, you inject a certain amount of reliability to the data, you know, and I'm quoting your website, the internal quality assurance and quality control process, take the data a step further. Right. And, and so, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you know, the benefit to uh, a company, a podcast listener that has accurate and reliable data to uh, assess, you know, the right fit loan officer for their organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an outstanding question. I, uh, um, you know, the data has always been available. Um, let, let me, let me, let me, it's, it's out there. Um, uh, and, you know, over a 30 year career, I, I've, I've purchased data, I've acquired data. There's a couple things about it. And it's back to that. I mean, it's hard for me prior to being able to use a, a, a tool like Modex to really validate that the information was accurate. And so, um, and, and to compare it against other data sources. Uh, we also will have, uh, for instance, uh, actual users, for instance, perhaps loan officers will also validate their data compared to the public data we have. And so, you know, it's, it's, there's an assurance. And from a, from a hiring standpoint, um, um, you know, the idea of being able to make sure that what is being represented is accurate um, is, is very significant, very significant to me. Um, the other thing that we find fascinating is that when, when you talk about millions and millions and millions of bits of data, it, and, and if you're thinking about getting that on an Excel spreadsheet, it's really difficult to wade through it and actually mm-hmm. capture. I'll give you an example, and I hope this helps. Uh, We've also had dialogue with, a, of all things, a computational biologist, a biologist, which is what? fascinating. And you might think, well, well, why are you talking to a computational biologist? 
Well, what's interesting here is that when you're actually uh, looking at things related to the DNA and cell structure, the data is there, but unless you have programs to actually extract it and put it into a meaningful fashion, you may miss something. Modix is doing that with millions of bits of data around all sorts of data sets. So I, I think part of it isn't just the validation of the data, it's how the data is actually presented. Long-winded way, I hope That's that answers true. your question. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Dale, and, and, and it really kind of answers the next question. I mean, I've heard you talk a couple times about, you know, the scary immense amount of data, you know, that's out there. And, you know, yeah, you know, that's a great thing. But, you know, I've watched people, I've watched processes, I've watched organizations, you know, uh, suffer from data paralysis. Uh, so, I mean, it looks like Modex has got, uh, you know, a very uh, fast user-friendly uh, ability to uh, enable a client to drill quickly to the data set that, you know, they need to make the right decision. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's an accurate um, representation. In fact, you know, can we record you? That was perfect. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I love that. You know, it's interesting. I want to say something that's, that ties into this, though. I, the industry at large, um, somebody said to me, it was actually an investor, a venture capitalist, actually said, well, this is very disruptive to the industry. And everybody talks about disruption. It, you know what? Here's the thing. Modic, we say this internally. We don't want to be disruptive for disruptive sake. What we want to do is we want, we want the information to enhance um, th this matchmaking process. Because here's what we're finding. The hundreds of clients we have today are some of the best in the industry. And the, the accessibility and clarity of data really causes the best to rise to the surface or also creates an incentive for others to actually improve their offering. So when we also come full circle, we see the industry, those that are really um, leading the way, stepping up and willing to say, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely let's have data available and let's make it uh, uh, visibly apparent. That's great, early point. Let's go out to Alan one more time, see if Alan's there. He's dialed in, not sure he's listening, be able to hear us. Alan, are you there? Nope. He's there. He's dialed in, but he's uh, we're not hearing you, Alan, for whatever reason. But I really want to get to one of the things we're seeing more and more. We're hearing a lot of artificial intelligence. We're hearing machine learning, predictive analytics. And I, from your perspective, from what your business does, I'd like to have you explain what this means for mortgage banking and specifically recruiting. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, predictive analytics, machine learning is when, you know, machines, you know, computer software are, are mm -hmm. trying to make uh, guesses on a certain data set at a certain level of confidence, okay? Uh, and so essentially one of the things that we've been working on um, and that we've been hiring for is understanding when, I know it's going to sound absolutely crazy to you and all of your listeners, but this is something that we have been working on, trying to predict when a loan officer is going to change jobs before they even say it. And so by looking at all of the variables that we have available to us, right, real estate data, licensing data, loan officer production data, consumer data, tying that all together to then say, hey, we have a confidence score of 80% or whatever that this loan officer may switch jobs in the next three months, six months, et cetera. And that already, these sorts of models already exist. I mean, they already exist in the space of, of consumers. There are scoring algorithms out there to guess when a consumer is going to buy a new house or move right. to a new rental property. We're applying similar models to our data sets to say, hey, um, how do we anticipate this company is going to perform in the future? Um, since they've been hiring loan officers or losing loan officers, wherever they've been getting licensed, et cetera. And then you'll also, all the way down to the loan officer, hey, um, you know, there's functionality in Modex where loan officers can come claim their profiles and indicate they want to talk about job opportunities. And that's a very definitive uh, action where a loan officer says, hey, I'm putting my stake in the ground saying I want to talk about new job opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, now, there are lots of loan officers that also have not claimed their profile yet. And so we want to look at all of the data that we have available on them and say, hey, 
who's going to switch jobs? And that's a, that's a two-pronged thing, too. It's where, hey, let's look at which wow. loan officers are going to probably going to be switching jobs soon. But secondly, from a company retention standpoint, I mean, imagine if we could tell a company, hey, you need to look at this loan officer, these branches or this territory, because Modex has an indication that you might be losing loan officers in this area soon. You think about it, Jack. <laughs> if you could have that kind of prediction and look at who might be moving, especially if you're looking at recruiting and look at the competition mm-hmm. across the road, especially that, that is so significant. Amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Thank you. David. Yeah, I, I, I joke about it. I say the, the future is scary. I mean that in an exciting way across many facets of the world. But uh, it, it is a little even me running this business. It is a little well, odd saying, I'm going to be able to predict when someone's going to switch a job. Uh, it's exciting, though. Well, it, 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 there is a lot of predictability in a lot of things. The, the predictability is in the data, and that's what you guys specialize in. Mm-hmm. Getting some questions in from listeners real quickly I want to share with you. Uh, you talked about the biologist. Go back and explain what's the, the, the – several listeners comment on that. A biologist and data? Talk about that a little bit. What was behind that a little bit more? Well, it's, it's, it, that's a great question, David. I appreciate the clarity. We, we've not, so for clarity, we have not actually engaged or hired a computational biologist to work for us. We have consulted with a, okay. when I say computational biologist, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a PhD in, in computational biology. They build models to look, can you imagine about the, the, this sounds so funny. Think about the human genome. Think about the amount of data there. And they build models to predict outcomes for medications or for treatments or for new drug trials. But, 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 but there are massive amounts of data points related to uh, a, a loan officer, to a company, to a consumer. How about, how about the buying patterns of, of a potential homeowner? How about the buying patterns of a loan officer? Large amounts of data. And then could you actually apply some of the same modeling that is used in biology to predict certain, certain aspects of the idea Dale spoke of machine learning and the idea of predict outcomes by looking at large amounts of data. We just, we just thought, why, why, would we, why would we stay in a lane of only looking at things that are mortgage-related? Why wouldn't we look outside of the mortgage-related industry and say, okay, are there other mathematical models that could be deployed and, and, and benefit the data transparency in the mortgage industry. It's us being very creative, David. I, I want to I just put a really quick note on top of that. Maybe, maybe I'm almost summarizing it. Uh, and I'm sure if you have any callers in right now who have backgrounds in machine learning, they're going to probably – I'm probably going to get an email from them. But machine learning is machine learning. Now, that's a general statement. Um, but, you know, the pharmaceutical industry uh, has been using machine learning to predict uh, pharmaceutical trials for decades at this mm-hmm. point. Um, And they are using massive amounts of data, and they're using it for health purposes. And so they have to be very careful about it. So now the mortgage industry, Modex, recruiting, et cetera, you know, we're now just starting to dip our toes into the the machine learning pool. And so we're now going to the folks that have been doing it for ages, the pharmaceutical industry, with tons of data for health reasons. And we're now saying, hey, you guys have done this really well here, and you're good at it. Now let's apply the same machine learning um, you know, not the exact same models, but similar to now the mortgage industry. Very interesting. Boy, this could be just open up a whole new world of how we look at our businesses and who we're doing. It's getting the right people on the bus and getting the right people off the bus, going back to that book, Good to Great by Collins. Uh, I think it's just such an important tool. You have a great product. You're doing a great job of the industry. And I love the innovative approach. Data is data, but it's what you do with it and the tools you use to sort through it all. And I think that's what you guys, that's a bit of your secret sauce. In addition to the father and son team, we have run out of time. So how can people get a hold of their questions are coming in, but how can people get a hold of you? Hey folks, uh, you can, you can visit us. Uh, very exciting since our last update uh, on this podcast, we now own modex.com really easy for people to remember. So uh, you can visit us at our old domain, modexconnect.com or now you can visit us at modex.com. Um, if you're interested in learning more about our product, I would suggest reaching out to support at modex.com, um, and we'll get back to you real quick with uh, a demo or trial or tell you a little bit more about what we're doing and who we are. 
Yeah, I encourage you to do so, listeners. Be sure to check them out. They do a great job. Have so many of our clients that have, we've turned on to Modex. Just say that was one of the best introductions. Thank you so much. Several people asked, what's Alan up to? What happened to Alan? Well, I got a text from him. You know, his daughter is in, his daughters are in cheer. Our daughter was, our youngest daughter back in the day was in cheer. And uh, one of his daughters was injured. So he was on the phone. And I, I, I Alan, above being a great host, uh, great content on the podcast that he brings and a brilliant uh, technologist, best of all, he's an awesome dad. So he is focused on that. I'll never forget my daughter dislocated her elbow and we got the phone call in the middle of me doing a podcast and my wife texted me i'm going to the hospital our daughter's in the ambulance uh see you there and i'm going like <laughs> i'm gonna use a little more detail but she said she, he said she will be okay so alan we wish her a speedy recovery and everything's okay as our daughter is was turned out okay messed her up she gave up cheering after that she says i didn't realize that could be so dangerous Folks, I'm just so grateful to have you as our listeners. We're grateful for you. It's Thanksgiving week. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday. So grateful for all of our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Lenders One, Accelerate Mobility, MMI, Modex, who we've heard from today, uh, the MBA, Knowledge Cube, Mortgage Collaborative, Snap, Docs, as well as Success Kit now, and Lenders Toolkit. We're going to be having next week on Brent Ambler with Lenders Toolkit, talking about some of the latest, greatest things. This is one of those companies that snuck by me. When Brent moved over to the company from Velma, and he just all excited about it, and now I know why. We're going to hear all about it next week. Special thank you also goes out to Jack, my co-host, as well as Alice, Alan, Matt, and all of you who bring make this podcast. Thanks for Les Parker dialing in. Yeah, you write. You wrote that down, Alice. Got that written down. We know exactly what interest rates going to be doing. Crazy year next year. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. And share this podcast with others. Appreciate it. Blessings. You've been listening to Licken on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Licken of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.